Good morning, church. It's good to be with you. I am so excited to be in the book of Genesis. Uh, really, I love beginnings. Um, I'm a dreamer, and I really like to build things with my hands and uh, create uh, art, especially music. So I, I usually am I'm up there and, and leading, as many of you know, uh, music, but uh, it's my joy. Sometimes I, get, I have time, not so much these days with kids, but to, to write music. And, and it's a beautiful and fun thing for me to just sit and craft lyrics and craft a melody and uh, a chord progression. It's a joy. I really enjoy doing that. And I also love sitting with other artists and learning kind of what goes behind their, their thought process for the lyrics and for the for the melody and such. I love to do that. And so this is a great joy and privilege to me that we get to explore our beginnings. We get to explore this world in what God has written. And ultimately, when we do this, when we read this story, we're getting to explore God, who is the chief artist. You see, God is, is like an artist, and he's painted strokes of beauty in everything that he has made, and every single stroke is telling us something about him. And so when we read this story, it's kind of like God is inviting you to an intimate meet and greet to get to know the artist. And that's exciting to me. should be exciting to us that our God wants us to know him and experience him. He is the the father of all art, truth, goodness, and beauty. So welcome, church. Welcome to the meet and greet of our God. Whether you're here today as a skeptic or someone trusting this book as God's word, I welcome you. And I just want to say that it is my hope that all of us will meet God in what we see and hear today. So let's Start with context, just, just quickly jump back into the very beginning of the story. Pastor Sam opened up that up last week with the first two verses, so let's read that again, verses one and two. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering there over the face of the waters. So I take this phrase formless and void, or without form and void as a description of the inhabitability of the earth. It's like a barren land or a garden that's un, you know, maybe tilled but, but has nothing in it. It's, it's, it cannot produce life. And you might, on the artist theme, see it as a blank canvas. There's nothing there. There was also darkness there, Darkness that none of us have experienced. I mean, no one has ever experienced the complete absence of light. It's, it's something that was unique to this moment. But we're also told that the Spirit of God was there, which is such good news, because in all of Scripture, life is preceded by the Spirit's presence. So the Spirit of God is there, and, and that should stir your heart. Something is about to happen here. Okay, so... Now, these first two verses, they're they're sort of a broad picture of what God does in creation, his creative power. But verses three and following are going to get into the details of what God has made. And I just want to encourage you, this is is something I didn't write here, but I just want to say these things we have read many times. (laughs) 
Perhaps this is the most read portion of scripture for, for Christians. You know, we start, we're going, I'm going to read the Bible this year. And we start, right? And we get into it and, you know, we hit, hit numbers or whatever, Leviticus, and we find, uh, yeah, it's not going much further than that, right? But these are familiar words to us. We may have heard them a thousand times. And I really, really long for you to read these words, pray that God, we have been praying would give you fresh eyes and that you just marvel at him this morning. That's what I want to help us do. I want to call us to worship God. So what we'll see in these verses that we're just read are that we've just read are the first five and a half days of a seven-day work week. And if you look closely, you'll find that the structure is carefully crafted. It's like a, a poem, you know. Um, and one example of that is the author structures the poem in two different sections, in forming and filling. And I have a little chart here that I want to show you if it'll come up here. But in the first three days of creation, we're going to see God forming different environments or domains of the world. And then in the last three days, verse, days four to six, we're going to see him filling those domains. That is, that is a... a, a unique structure to this, and I think that you should see in it that the author is intentional. There's poetry here. So we're going to kind of walk through this text considering these domains. You can pull that down. The first domain we read about is light and darkness. So let's read that together. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So the first thing God does with the blank canvas is create light into the darkness where there was no sun, no moon, no light, period. He speaks a word and boom, light exists. Now, you may be uh, here and you're, you're wondering right off the bat, you're like, well, I understand light is coming from sun, moon, and stars. Like, how, where is this light even coming from? I, and I just want to say that that's not a bad question. If you, you know, read this story, you're going to find all kinds of questions like that. You're like, wait, the, the vegetation came before the sun came? Like, that's not how science works, right? Okay, that's, that's okay to ask things of this book, but I do want you to know that that's not the intention of this book. Sam stated that clearly last week. It's like, it's like reading a love letter that mentions a, a, a drive in a car and you're, you're upset that it doesn't you know, tell you about the mechanical makings of that car, right? We, we can't expect something in this book that it's not intending to give us. God's concern with this narrative is that you would know who he is. You would know something about him. You know something about ourselves in our relationship to him and the world that he made. And I really want you to focus in your reading of this story on your heart posture. Again, it's, it's fine to weigh these words against science. I don't, I don't have any problem with that, but, I, but I, I really believe that what God wants from us is that we would just simply marvel that all that exists in this world, when he says light and light shows up, that we think, what a God that is. It should cause us to say, there's something unique about this one that's giving us these words in this book. It should lead us to say, he's supreme. It should lead us to worship. And, and again, this is my main task for us. So God created light 
Perhaps this is the idea or form of light. Or perhaps this is God's own glory beginning to just permeate the world that he made. God exists outside of all these things, and he says light, and perhaps it just begins to explode out of, out of God, his glory, into creation. I don't know how that works. It should just stir us to worship. There's going to be a lot of things that we will not understand completely, but we should worship. Now, notice how God creates the light. I absolutely love this. He speaks. He just speaks a word, and the thing is done. In fact, in every act of creation that we're going to see in this account, God's creative power and authority is where? It's in his word. It's by his word that things come into being. He simply wills it, and then he calls it into being. He articulates the thing by his word, and there it is. The text is going to say, it was so. God said, and it was so. There is no gap in between that. God has authority over all things, and he is the only one who has authority like this. I think it's right for us to say that's a big and powerful God, right? It is a powerful God, but we're not talking about one really powerful being that has power over above another being, like as if like the, the matter is, is another God in creation, as a lot of the ancient Near Eastern world would have thought. No, he has authority over all things, over all matter. Everything exists in his hands like an artist with clay, and he can form it and use it as he wishes. This is the God we're talking about. This is the authority that God has with his spoken word. Further, God speaking his creation into being should show us, should tell us that God's world is speaking. God has spoken his word, sorry, his his world into existence. And if you follow that back, you can find that God is speaking and it is meant to be known through his world. His world is like a love letter, one of the love letters, that we'll talk more about how God has written us a more precise love letter, but it's written, God's word is written into the fabric of everything that he has made. I, I just, I love this. I love thinking this way. I know it's abstract. Some of you are like, that's, that's too much, Daniel. You, you, you're talking about the creation in God and you Friends, I want you to marvel at the fact that God spoke what we are experiencing right here into existence. That should stir our souls and help us say, like, man, he's, he's talking. He's talking right now. I'm sitting on a, on a wood bench. God's talking. There's things he wants me to see and hear in what he has made. We're going to talk a lot more about that, but I want you to know that God is speaking to us through this world that he has made. Look at verse four. God saw that the light was good. We're going to hear this phrase repeated, and when you hear it, I want you to think of an artist who's just, you know, done some beautiful thing, and then he steps back, and he looks at the, at the thing, and he, he says, that is good. I like what I've done. 
That's our God, and that's how he responds to the things that he makes. And I think this should be a comfort to us when we hear God calling what he's made good, because we experience this world not always as a good place, do we? Right? Like, there, there's a lot of empty pews right now because of sickness, Hand, foot, mouth disease, right? It just like hit a bunch of our kids this week. And, and so we feel this, but, but this is a reminder when God says over and over and over again through this narrative, it's good. It's good that what God makes is good, that, what, that God himself is good. Everything he makes is good and everything he does is good. And the story of destruction and darkness comes later in the story. It's a result of sin. I'm not going to spoil that for us right now. Verse 4, let's continue. It says that God separated the light from the darkness. And then verse 5, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. God separated. Let's focus in on that phrase right there. I think this is important that God is a God who separates, who makes distinctions, who calls things by name. God does that. Sam mentioned last week, he is the God who defines reality, right? He's the one who writes the rule book, says this is what this is, this is what this is, these are not the same. He's going to do that with things like Mankind and animals. He's going to do that with dry land and seas, with male and female, with good and evil. Friends, this is so countercultural. We're being demanded by the world to not put any constraint. Nobody can tell me who I am. Nobody draws lines for me. Nobody makes a distinction about who I am. Right, but the Bible does not allow for that narrative to exist. That is not who we are, and that is not what God says about us. So I just want us to see this again, that God is the author of reality. God is the one who names. He calls things as they are. We see him doing that. He says, this is night, and this is day. He says, this is heaven, and this is earth. God calls things. He gives them names, and that is what they are. It comes from him. I also want you to know, this is, this is a side point, but I want you to know that with God naming things and making distinctions with things like light and dark, God is opening up a world of terms that symbolize spiritual truths. Now, I'm not going to be able to dive into this deep, but when he talks about Later in scripture, that Jesus is the light of the world. He's already created light and he's making, he's drawing lines to Jesus as light. And this is going to be something that happens all over scripture in something that he's opened up the door for right here in his creating and in his naming and his giving distinctions to particular things. You guys following with me? God has given us a world of not only physical understanding of what light and dark it, darkness is, but he now opens up a world where we can say, light is God, there's goodness there, there's righteousness there, darkness, night, there's all kinds of imagery around the evil and the darkness there. So 
We get now into a repeated, another repeated phrase at the end of this section where we're told that there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now, the first question I think most of us ask is, why or, or is this a 24-hour day? Maybe that's not the first question you ask, but a lot of people are asking that question. A lot of ink has been spilled over it. Is this a literal 24-hour day? And I'll just say, Many scholars disagree on this. Many say yes. Many say no. And I'm sympathetic to both. You know, I, on, the, on the one hand, I have no problem believing that the one who spoke things into existence could do it in a 24-hour day. No question. But on the other hand, there, there are things in this text that, that, that make me sympathetic towards those who would say, no, it's, it's not a literal 24-hour day. Think, think about the sun and moon. It came into existence on day four. And sun and moon marks the times and the seasons. We understand a day because the sun has risen and set, right? So, I'm not going to keep diving in there, but I I just want you to know that there's complexity there, and the most important thing for us is that we don't fight about it and divide over it, church. (laughs) Like, these matters, they really do and have led to a lot of division in the church, and I don't think that's what the Lord wants for us at all. I don't think we should demand a a poetic text to tell us about precise times and processes It did not intend to give it that. So, friends, the Bible's truthfulness does not hang on whether this is a literal 24-hour day or not. But I do appreciate that he gave us it in these terms, 24 hours, seven days. These are things that we experience, and what it says is that our God is a God of order. He sets order and purpose in place for us, and those things are telling us things about him. Right? That's, what's, that's what's impressive about this. When we, when we experience a 24-hour day, when we experience a seven-day work week, it shouldn't, what it should do is say, man, God had this idea. Like every little reality that I swim in on a daily basis, God had this idea. This is his experience. This is what he brought me into teaches us something about him. Let's look at the second domain that God creates. He creates sea and sky. Verse 6, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. I love that. And God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning the second day. I'm going to have to fly through some of these bigger texts and comment on them. But here on the second day, God separates the waters and he creates an expanse called heaven, which maybe would be better translated sky. Friends, do any of you enjoy breathing? <laughs> you like that? Good. Me too. We're doing that right now because God created something scientists called atmosphere. We're not just in a water thing, right? <laughs> just nebulous. No, he separated waters from waters. Do any of you like looking at clouds in the blue sky? Can I get an amen? <laughs> Something. Man, this is what God put into existence for us. He, he made it for us, and the sun, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. The sky, the clouds, he put that there. The rain that comes from the clouds, 
He separated water from water. What a God that's creating and preparing life for us. I was thinking about water this morning and how, how good of a gift that is. I'm pretty thirsty right now. <laughs> the gift of water that God has given this to us. He created it. It's his idea. Let's look at the third domain, the dry and fertile land. I could camp on any one of these for a long time. You guys will have to, have to dive in a little bit yourself. But verse 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together, he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Who here likes the beach? <laughs> you like the beach? Friends, I love the beach. Nobody likes the beach, though, if there's a tsunami coming at you, right? <laughs> like, friends, we take for granted the fact that we stand on dry ground on a given day, that we're not swimming. Right now, you know, what was it, a month ago in Kentucky, there was just, we could have been underwater all in this place, right? Our homes could have been flooded. In Bangladesh, there's so much flooding. But we who stand on dry ground, we often forget how special it is that God said, hey, I'm going to separate these things. I'm going to make it possible for vegetation to grow. I'm going to make it possible for you to walk around and experience things. See one another so you're not swimming and drowning. Drink the water rather than drowning in it, right? This is good. This is what God has done, and it's his idea. Aren't you glad he did that? I might get a little giddy up here. You just need to know. Um, yeah. <laughs> there are some of us in here that we go out in the, into the world and and we annoy the heck out of everybody because we're like, wow, look at that. Just the other night, we were, uh, and, and the other people were like, okay, dude, that's great. I see the clouds too. Like, that's fantastic, <laughs> right? Like just the other night at our MC, there were, there were a handful that just rushed out to see this storm cloud that was gorgeous. Elise was standing over there like, <laughs> Ian climbed up on this big tower and was shooting photos and it was, it was a scene. I think our neighbors were like, who are these people crawling all over my neighborhood <laughs> to see the clouds? Um, let's look at verse 11. It says, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, planting yielding seed and fruit trees, bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. Friends, give me a shot if you like watermelon. Yeah. I know that's a debated one, but I like it. So pineapple, who likes it? <laughs> Apples, pears, coconut, mango. I am a fruit guy. Okay, cucumber, zucchini. You can go on and on. Coffee, tea, uh, squash. I mean, it's becoming fall. Pumpkins. On and on, you could just list the good things that God has given, the many kinds that he has created for us out of his beauty, out of the diversity that is in God. God created these masterpieces for us. I appreciate my mother who so often pointed out the things of the earth for me as a little kid. She would take me to a flower and say, look at what God made for you. Look at the color. Look at this tree and how the leaves, she would just articulate 
the things that God had done, and it helped me. It helped me to worship. I think that's what this text is doing for us. It's inviting us into that. Friends, with all those things that I just mentioned, God created these various tastes, savory and sweet, for us to enjoy. Hallelujah! Man, we like to eat. And God, this was his idea. According to its kind, he created them. Verse 11 and 12. We'll see this repeated as he describes the sea creatures and the flying winged creatures and the animals that inhabit the earth. And again, this is all pointing to the goodness and creativity of our God. Why did he make a platypus, friends? What in the world? But we get the opportunity as God's children to just go and sit and marvel and look and watch and learn who our God is as we look at these creatures together. There's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause on, on, a, on a word about evolution. Uh, <laughs> I don't have time for it there, but let me just say very quickly, According to its kind, we're going to see that again and again, and I think that there's argument to be made that God created specific things and that it's not, it's not a banana tree coming out of a, out of a pear tree. It's not an animal coming from a plant or a fish or anything like that, but God created things according to their kinds. Again, I think I should do that in a different Uh, context, maybe a podcast or something like that. There's a lot of depth to that uh, conversation. Let's now shift from the forming of domains to the filling of those domains, okay? So first, the filling of the domain of light and darkness. If you want to throw that uh, image back up on the screen really quick, I'm going to read this quickly, but God is filling the, the domain of light and darkness. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God sent them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. Church, if you're not already already marveling with me at the God who made strawberries, I want you to marvel a little bit more at the one who said, sun, exist. And it's like with his word, it was thrown up. The sun just sitting there blazing in the sky. All these things that I've been mentioning, they cause me to worship. The grandeur of the mountains, the, grand, the beauty of the beach. But this one, man, my mouth drops when I think of God just setting that thing there. Scientists say that, that the earth that we live on, this globe, could fit inside that sun, what is it? One million times. This thing is vast, and it's vital to our existence. And listen to verse 17, how it says God set them in the expanse. Not only did he create them, he set them there. 
Friends, if, if we were to live a little bit closer or a little further from the sun, if this planet did not sit just where it sat, human life doesn't flourish. That's the example. I think maybe even a reason Mercury and Venus exists, right? Because it, we see that like, if it's just a little further away, I mean, I know it's a lot further, but it just a little, if it's just a little further away, life can't exist there. But God set these things in place so that life could exist. Many have worshipped the sun through history. In fact, Egypt was known for worshipping the sun. The Israel was coming, the, the Israel that was receiving this book from Moses would have known that very well as they were coming from Egypt. And yet God is the one who simply says, son, you exist right now. And it exists because he speaks it. Not because there was, that that son is a God, but because of our God who willed that it was there. I also love in this moment how, how, how God is he's setting. I believe that he, him setting it there is, is him setting in orbit the earth and the sun in this perfect cycle. And again, it's all done in his will and by him, if this, I could, we could go on and on about the globe and how it spins and what would happen if it weren't spinning in that way. God had purpose in these things and he was fashioning a home for us. There's no chance that this is an accident that we're living in this world, that life exists here right now, church. There's no chance. There's no chance that, that, that this could be coincidence, Intelligent design is just written into every part of this world that we live in. Isn't that right? I find it kind of funny here that the author uh, includes the stars almost parenthetically. <laughs> he said, God made the sun and the moon and the stars, right? <laughs> Does anyone else think that's comical, right? This vast universe that we get these amazing images from and everybody marvels at is a parenthetic statement in the creation narrative. And what I think that tells us is that we here on earth are the apple of God's eyes, of, of his eye. In other words, of all the vast universe that God has created, he is focusing not on that, but on the earth where man was gonna dwell. God breathed out the stars. Psalm 33, 6 says, The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. And yet God has highlighted us. We're also told that God gives purpose to the great lights. It says that he made them to govern the day and the night and so that we can track times and seasons. Time is created by God, you know. It is. God put this in place. He, the timeless one, the eternal one, set these things into place. And they, all this is telling us something about our God. Second domain God fills is the sea and sky. Verse 20, would you read along with me? God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above and earth, above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. 
And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. With a word, God created the whale and the seahorse and the jellyfish. And he created the lobster, and he created the hummingbirds in the sky, and the eagles, and you name the bird that you enjoy. God created out of his creativity, his diversity, for us to enjoy and to worship him and know him. But there's also something unique in this section in verse 22 where God does something different. He says, not only he calls them good, but he blesses them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and seas. This is God not only creating the species, but also giving them the ability to multiply, to procreate. And this is something that just we, we, uh, we see, it's what we experience in this world, but friends, we should marvel at that reality that God wrote into the DNA of creatures that they would keep, they would not only desire to procreate, but they would procreate, procreate. God created and he gave the ability for us to have a part in life. That's God's handiwork. It's like an artist who, who paints a beautiful picture with flowers and all kinds of creatures on the thing. And then he says, okay, get up off the page and go and make your beauty known everywhere else. Friends, this is God by his spirit, just life springing up all over the ground. I want us to marvel when we go outside this week. Man, this stuff fascinates me. It makes me worship. I hope it does you. Finally, verse 24, God fills the third domain, the dry land. Verse 24, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And I love that phrase again. And God saw that it was good. He saw that it was good. With a word, God fashioned everything that crawls on the face of the earth. He made the hippo. He made the ant. I, I, those conversations are, are, are kind of fun where you know, people ask what your favorite animal. Maybe it's more fun for you as a kid. But why do people ask that sort of question? Because it's interesting Animals are interesting, right? We go to the zoo and spend hours there, and kids are like this, and parents are right behind them too, like, yeah. Unless we're totally dull to the reality that these things exist with all their diversity. God made these things, and, and I, I, I don't know, I can't answer you where, you know, where the dinosaurs fit in, if it's here or in the great sea creatures verse, but I know they exist, and I'll leave that to your afternoon to go and just find that one out for me. But man, God made all these things for us to enjoy. I need you to know that every animal that you enjoy holding, I know there's some cat lovers in here. I know that, that there's people that enjoy pets. I know there's people that love beholding these things. I know there's people in here who love to eat these things. <laughs> 
Yes, there was a curse of vegetarianism until around, you know, 1,400 years later at the flood, but God made these good things for us. <laughs> Man, God, he made all these things for us. I was joking about the curse. You guys picked up on that. But everything we enjoy, both big and small, the minute and the large, God's idea, God's art. The artist, who is the archetype artist, formed and filled this world that we live in. He created and created abundantly, and life is springing up everywhere we look. And all that he made, God said, good, good. Don't you agree with him? Don't you agree with him? This is good. That's where we're going to pause in our text. And next week, Ross is going to take on the the small task of explaining what man is. Welcome back, Ross. Uh, But uh, for now, I want to just close with a question. How should we respond in light of what we just read? I believe that this story invites us to see God, to, to look for God in everything that exists in this world. To look for God, to see God in all that he has made. This is part of our purpose in this world is that we get to enjoy. We'll learn more about this with the, with the story next week of man entering the world. But we get to see it and enjoy it and through it we get to enjoy our God. I believe that God had you in mind when he painted the strokes of the rainbow on the sky. When he set in the heavens these beautiful colors for us to enjoy and and get, get giddy about together as a group. He did that with us in mind. When you hear these beautiful sounds like the sound of trickling water or a crashing wave or a bird chirping, I want you to see your God and I want you to know him. That's what I believe we should do in response to what we've read when you feel the warmth of the sun and you walk under the glowing light of the moon and you gaze up at the stars, I want you to worship. I want you to know that God is talking to you in these things and he is inviting you to know him more. I think we've all grown a little bit cold to this world and I wrote a song in in the created order, I mean, I wrote a song years ago, it's called Childlike Wonder, and it's, a, it's just a prayer that I would never lose that wonder that a child has when they see little bugs crawling around, or when they see a tree or an airplane. Like, friends, God wants us to know him through what he has made and marvel at him. This is what David articulates in one of his famous psalms, Psalm 19 says, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They're speaking without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message is going through all the earth and their words to all the world. I I just picture David, King David, who wrote this psalm, laying in the grass. Maybe he's got a little lamb on his, on his lap, and he's, he's singing these songs to God as he gazes into the stars. He cannot help but say, it's talking to me. 
It's all telling me of, about God. That's what we're talking about here when I'm talking about you knowing him through what he's made. A few years back, I went to a park in Minneapolis. I rode my bike somewhere. I have no idea where I went. Probably couldn't get back there. I plopped down with my Bible, was reading this story, and every time that I'd read a line, I would just look around, and I'd breathe, and I would touch the grass, and I'd see a little thing crawling, and I'd, with every moment that I looked. With the more that I looked, the more that I found my heart just worshiping till I think that day I was dancing around in the park and people thought I was loony, right? I li- we live in this world that God has made for us. We get to be explorers of this world. Calvin calls it a theater that we get to enjoy and, and sit in and just watch God. That's what he's done here. And that's what I want you to do. This week, I want to invite you to get outside without your phone. I know it's fun to snap a selfie of all the cool things you're doing. But don't take your phone. Just enjoy the world. Don't be distracted by technology. Just enjoy God from the minute to the massive. And then, friends, I want you to talk to God about what you see. You see, when God spoke this world into existence... And he was speaking to you and inviting you to know him. He, started, he was starting a conversation with us. Likewise, when he gave us his word that tell us the meaning and the purpose behind all of it, when he says, I am the God who made this stuff, God is starting a conversation with you and he's inviting you to get to know him and to talk to him. And that's what prayer is. So when we, this week, when, we, when you marvel at him, I just want us to get in the habit of being weird people that just say, isn't it great that we're drinking water right now? Isn't it great that we're walking on solid ground Let your friends say, what are you talking about, (laughs) right? Let's get into that habit of enjoying him and talking back about, to our God, about what we think is good about him. God sent, he gave us this world so that we would know him. And friends, he did something very similar in giving us his son, God's purpose in sending his son was that we would experience God. Hebrews 1 to 3, 1 verse 3 tells us that, God, that Jesus is the final expression or word of God. It says the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. So when we behold creation, we get to see God and understand about him. When we behold Jesus, we get to know God in exact form, like as He has sent the Son so that we would know him. And why does that matter so much? It matters because of what I said earlier, that this world that we experience right now is not always bright and beautiful to us, right? Sometimes we walk outside, it doesn't matter how sunny and cheerful the world is, our hearts are hurting. And so here's what our Lord coming into this world means. It, It tells us, that though there is a vast separation between us and God, between us and one another, between us and this world, because of our sin, that our God is relentless in being known. Our God is relentless in being relationship with us. He pursues us and pursues us and pursues us, and he has pursued us in the Son who went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin and to rise again, promising that he is going to recreate us 
and recreate all things that are broken. We're told right now that the creation is under bondage. That's why the world is falling apart all the time until the day that God brings, until Jesus comes back and remakes all things. We're going to dwell with him face to face again. I just want to invite you, if you are here and don't know if you know this God, now is your invitation. Come and meet him. He's speaking to you, and I want us to respond. I want us to come to him and find life and healing. So church, let's pray now and seek him for all and thank him for all that he's done. God, we worship you. We want to worship you more faithfully. I want to thank you, God, that you made such a beautiful world. And all the more, Lord, I want to thank you for giving us Jesus who brings meaning and healing and life to this world that we live in that is tainted by sin. I ask that you show us our Jesus right now and that you show us yourself this week as we go out into the world and that we would tell others about God's goodness and what he has made. We pray this in Jesus' name.